Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Welcome to the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM right here on VEASAN. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi out in New Jersey. I am here in Las Vegas. Michael, I always get so excited when I get to do the show with you. Uh, It's great to join you again. You know, last time I was with you was July, right? And all of a sudden, like, we can't wait for football. And then you bat an eye and we're going into week three. As executives, I know for fans it flies by. What is it like for you guys as execs knowing how quickly the season actually goes by? You know, the season is so routine-oriented, and that's what makes the season so much fun. You know that what your Monday's like, what your Tuesday's like, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whether it's travel week, Saturday travel, Friday travel. It's pretty consistent, you know, and you're just going to work your hours and do your preparation. And and so for me, the routine of the season is just the the most enjoyable part. And then the three hours on Sunday where you feel like you need a tranquilizer just to get through the moment. But other than that, it's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Michael, we got a great show for you today. Uh, I cannot wait to talk to some of these guests we have on today. Obviously, Steve Mackinan is going to join us here with some very interesting stats that you need to look at before you place your dollar on your Sunday action here. Maybe some 0-2 teams you shouldn't shy away from. And then we got BMAC and DRAC uh, in the second hour. Bryant McFadden and Derek Rackley and Lou Fritacaro sandwiched inside there. Uh, We got a great lineup for you today, Michael. But I do want to start off with the breaking news today that we know that that Tua Tunga Violet will not be at quarterback for the Dolphins uh, this Sunday against the Raiders here in Las Vegas. Uh, So that means they're going to turn it over to Jacoby Brissett, the NC State product here. The line has not moved at all so far, Michael. Still at four. Does that say anything to you that not that Tua and Brissett are interchangeable, but they kind of felt like this was going to happen? I think if if you were to ask Gus Bradley, honestly, who would he rather face? I think he'd rather face Tua. Because he knows that the ball's not working down the field. He knows that the deep third of the field he doesn't have to defend. Whereas Brissett, he's worried about the arm strength. He's worried about the width of the field and the length of the field. Look, I've been critical of Tua. I don't dislike Tua. He's a wonderful kid, I'm sure. But, you know, durability at Alabama was a concern. It was a concern for me coming out. But what's a bigger concern is his lack of arm strength, his lack of power in his arm, his lack of being able to quick twitch a throw. His lack of being able to throw the ball on the outside. It's crossers, flats, and swings with Tua. And that limits your offense. And I think this is rarely indicative. I said, I was just on Gill's show, and I said, this line's not going to move. In fact, I think it might come back to three and a half. 
I think you'll see some Miami people play it. I think the line will move back because it gives them a chance to utilize some of their skill. They get Will Fuller back this week. Waddle's back. Now you say, well, Brissett can't move as well as Tua. You want to bet? You want to make that bet with me? Because he can. He's a bigger man. He can move better. He can run. I mean, they get everything with their offense that they would have with Tua, only it's they get a better arm. So this will be a challenging game for the Raiders, particularly where we don't know where Derek Carr is right now. Where are they? And how healthy are they on defense? You know, Miami's liability has been this year their offensive line. Last week against Buffalo, Buffalo ran some really good blitzes against them early in the game. It's the one where, where Tua got hit on. They became they get two or three free runners to the pocket. And the one free runner is why his ribs were so bad, because his helmet went right into his chest. Mm-hmm. And you could tell, you know, Dave, you could tell right away that, that Tua, he was in a lot of pain, and it wasn't just he, he didn't, something, was, something was going on in his body. Michael, I look at this now, and you know this better than most, that the best ability is availability. And you mentioned it with Tua now, and this is becoming a trend. And you hate to say that because but issues are, uh, you know, injuries are a real thing for him right now. They did get to see him last year and Brian Flores to evaluate what they have with Tua. You can't imagine that Jacoby Brissett is the guy going forward, right? But if he does have no. success here with the struggles that Miami has had to start off the season – if Brissett turns it around, is Tua's time potentially limited in Miami going forward, or do they have to go back to him one more time no matter what to see what they truly have? Well, I think Brian knows what he has. I think if, you're, if you really understand the league and you watch tape and you know, as especially as a defensive coach, you know, I think Brian Flores is a good idea who Tua is. Now, I think he wants to be as careful and as polite as he possibly can, much different than I am. <laughs> and he and he's going to guard it, but I don't think that they're sitting there saying we have our answer for the next ten years at quarterback. I don't think they're saying that at all. I think they're saying con- the, the, the opposite. I think they're really concerned about where they are, and I think that they know that based on what he's been able to do so far in the league, that it's hard. You say, well, you know, he completes a lot of passes. Well, you know, I mean, wh- what good are completions if you don't get the ball down the field? Yeah, absolutely. You have a show. That's why you can say what you want to say. Brian Flores has got to be PC as the head coach in the National Football League. <laughs> uh, Michael, I did want to get your thoughts. I haven't talked to you, obviously, since Monday Night Football, and we saw uh, what Aaron Rodgers was able to do in that second half against the Lions. They came back, covered that 11.5. The total did go over as it uh, rounded out at 52 points there. Look, I know that Rodgers says now it's a week that he gets the trolls off of his back. You know, I, I'm still kind of confused with this Green Bay team after two weeks. Who are they? I guess San Francisco will be a great test for them. Aaron has not played there, played well there traditionally uh, in the past. Certainly doesn't play well down the state of Florida. What do you make of what you've seen from the Packers, not just Monday night, but overall so far? I don't like their team so far. I mean, I, th- I think they're a little ways away. I think defensively, they're huge question marks. Huge question marks. I mean, I don't see them being very good defensively. I thought that that they never had control of that game, even in the third quarter. I know they scored outscored the, the Lions twenty-one to nothing in the second half, but I thought for sh- that defense was not very impressive. I mean, Goff makes a decision to go for it on fourth and four. He's got a one-on-one matchup to his right. He takes the one on the on the bottom and throws it in the dirt, and ultimately costs his because he they needed to match points with him. Mm-hmm. They needed to match points, and he made a bad decision. And that's kind of what Goff does. I mean, he doesn't make, you know, it's not always he can play consistently through the game. But I thought for sure watching that tape that Green Bay was never going to get control of the game. Actually, I was a little nervous for anybody that picked him in Survivor. It's like, wait a minute, this is not going the way it is. And there's no way that I think they were going to cover that 11. You know, and I'm sure anybody who took the 11 said it was never in doubt. I promise you. (laughs) Their armpits were sweating that thing out. I don't like Green Bay on defense right now. I think the the concern is left tackle. You know, right now they don't have Bakari back at left tackle, so that means they're playing Jenkins over there. You go against Joey Bosa over there at left tackle, that's going to be a problem. Or Nick Bosa, I'm sorry. And you go against Nick Bosa, and this 49er defensive front put some pressure on Jalen Hurts last week. So for me, you know, this is going to be a hard game. Now, they were able to utilize Aaron Jones in the game, which was great. I don't think the 40, I don't think the Packers are explosive on offense as everybody thinks they are. I think Devontae Adams is great. I just don't know how explosive they really are. 
Michael, you know, I, I follow you on Twitter, as everybody should. If they're not, I don't know what they're doing with their lives. And I saw yesterday that you re- referenced the Colts and Rams game, that after they went for it three times in a row, you know, first and goal at the one, they couldn't hammer it in, and they didn't kick the field goal. Carson Wentz, obviously, they have the, the turnover on downs. that really changed the complexion of the game. Colts lose by three, by the way, chasing those three points the rest of the game. I kind of thought about that for a moment in that Monday night game at that point you're talking about with golf, that if they kick it, it's 21, 20, it would have been about a 41 yard field goal at that point. And I get it. The conventional wisdom now is, ah, you gotta go for it. Right. That's what Harbaugh says. Too, much, Lamar. too many people are playing that too many people are playing mad in their basement. They're all, they're going for it. I mean, we've have a, we have a pandemic of it. Yes. Like what's wrong with three points? Like the idea is to continue to keep scoring. And, and if, and you know, there's some like Will Hill who thinks, you know, punts a bad play. <laughs> like I, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, he wants rule to go for it at midfield rules in complete control of the game. And he's texting me during the game. You got to go for it. What do they do when you're playing too conservative? Are you kidding me? Watch the game. The, the, the saints were never going to score. And if you're playing green Bay, you can't risk not scoring points. I just thought that was a mistake, too. I don't understand what Frank, Frank Wright, you'd think he would have learned in Buffalo last He lost the Buffalo game, the playoff game, because he went for it. No question. You could say, well, he was being aggressive. He lost the game because of it. But now, Michael, that's accepted, right? It's kind of no, like. No, it's right. It's, how it's, how it, did well, that get accepted where you're, you can literally throw away I don't know. I don't understand. And there's because, no consequence. Because I mean, there's so many questions we can answer on how what, what has become acceptable <laughs> for a whole other conversation that we don't need to get into. No. But that's, you're right, Dave. You're right. Like, all of a sudden, it's okay. I mean, back in the day, like, Lombardi, on the, on when Bart Snar snuck the ball over on the quarterback sneak, you know, when he snuck it in there, that was third down. Mm. Could you imagine what Twitter would have done to Lombardi <laughs> if he wouldn't have gotten in and, and the clock would have ran out? Green Bay didn't have any timeouts. Yeah, I'm still not sure as a Cowboy fan when I look at that tape if he got in or not, Michael. But that's that's a debatable <laughs> issue. Uh, well, we, well d- did Julio Jones score? T- I mean, we could have reviewed it. It would have right. come back something different. Did did did, did Julio Jones like tell me how Julio Jones didn't score a touchdown? I don't tell me that. how Russell Wilson didn't have a safety. I, I, those those plays, Michael, and again, this is a deeper conversation for sure. It gets to me with replay where you get it and then you still get it wrong. That's the part I don't understand. If you have replay and we're going to live with replay, you got to get that right because, again, people are putting down their hard-earned money on these games and they're affecting outcomes of these games. I, for the life of me, I still can't understand the Julio Jones touchdown that's a no touchdown. I, I just don't get it. I never saw it. I never saw it. Even the guy, I don't know what, I don't. I have it on mute, so I don't know what Dan Blandy said, but I mean, like, I, I don't know how the hell I kept looking at all the video. I, I'm saying, and I had Tennessee in the game. I mean, I was, you know, I, <laughs> I had Tennessee as one of my picks. I put it up on Twitter. Yeah, I, I just, for the life of me, again, these type of new rules in football now that, again, before you put down your hard-earned money on a Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday night game, you got to think about these things because, man, they really are mind-boggling with some of the coaching decisions that go into it. Think about this, Michael. If you were the Lions and you teased it up, and you had at 11 and a half, so you get 17 and a half. You lose by a half. I mean, what a terrible beat on Monday night, right? In a game that yeah. not only do the Lions. That you had, that, that when you were watching that game, you're saying there's no way no I don't way. cover this. Right? There's no way. I mean, and, and yet there it was. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, we've got a great show, obviously. I uh, cannot wait to talk more football uh, throughout the afternoon. Again, uh, we've got Lou Finnecaro. We've got Derek Brackley. We've got Brian McFadden. We've got a cast of characters right here. It is the Lombardi Line on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my game. <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting 
or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. season is here and it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It's Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your future wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in the state. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Back here on the Lombardi Line, Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. And, Michael, we do have some more news around the NFL. Antonio Brown has just been placed on the COVID list here for the Bucs before their showdown with the Rams. You know, it's it's interesting. I didn't know what to make of Antonio Brown when he came back into the league last year. Obviously, all the issues he had with the Raiders uh, before it looked like his career was over. And he actually was becoming a very effective weapon, obviously, for Brady. We saw last year in the Super Bowl and so far this year. How big a hit potentially is this for the Bucks if he can't go against the Rams? You know, I mean, last week he had one catch for 17 yards, so he really wasn't part of it. It's all about, you know, you want to take this away, we're going here. And they have so many weapons down in Tampa, you know, between Godwin and Gronk and Fournette. You know, Evans was their leading receiver last week in the game. I don't think it's going to be a a problem. I think the question is, who is Jalen Ramsey going to go cover? Mm. You know, and you got to be really careful with Brady. When you do this trail technique, right, you put a guy on, you know, are you going to go let him cover Mike Evans the whole game? Because then the ball is going to go to Godwin and where it's going to go. He's going to find somebody else. You're not going to fool Brady in that. The matchups are tough. And this game for the Rams has to be won with their front. You know, the only way you're really going to slow Brady down is by getting inside penetration. And they can do that with Aaron Donald. You know, Michael, I think a lot of times in college, we always do the look ahead to the next week and, you know, maybe teams are looking ahead. I don't know if Tom Brady does that. We do know next week is New England, right, going back against Bill Belichick. Yeah. And now you go out to L.A. here for this one. And, again, just knowing how professional, and you know better than most, how professional he is, I don't know that that's going to be an issue. But I look at this line and I think, boy, it feels like to me this could be a tricky spot for them uh, giving a point on the road. Don't you get the feeling that Sean McVay – really kind of wants to show off and say, all right, Brady, you got me once in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. This is a different team. Do you have a lean here either way? Oh, I'm leaning definitely the Rams here. I think it's I, – I, I have this game really, to be honest with you, I think the wrong team's favored in the game. In my power rankings, and they're early. You know, my power rankings are based on numbers. They're based on the numbers, stats that get accumulated in, my rankings of the coaching staffs, all those things. The Rams are my best team in the NFL right now. After two weeks, you know, what they've been able to do, their execution, their their ability. I think the Rams should be favored in this game, and they're not, you know. And I think when you look at this, this is going to be a hard matchup for the Bucks. Now, I will say this about Brady. Once this game's over, 
on that plane ride home, Brady will be studying Patriot tape. Mm -hmm. Brady knows the Patriots. He knows what Bill wants to do. So that's when he'll get locked in on the Patriots. But before that, his 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 total focus right now is on this Rams, Raheem Morris. How is he going to attack them? What they're going to do? I think this is a hard spot for the Bucks. I really do. I'm kind of right there with you. And, and again, it just feels like, boy, the line move has gone towards the Bucks here uh, early in the week. And it, it does surprise me. And then you see about Antonio Brown being out. Not that that's that significant, as you pointed out. Brady's going to find the right guy. But it is one less weapon that he has on the field on Sunday. I, I do want to talk the, about the, some, uh, the, some of the places I think. And I'm looking at my board, Dave. I think the Rams, didn't they open up as favorites? And yeah. then it just flipped the other way. Yeah. How does that yeah. happen? I, that really, I don't know. That really surprises me. I don't me know. There, but. Like, yeah, I had it right. So, so my number, my number on this game on my board, my board, it should have been a three point three seven game favorite to the favorite to the Rams. Yeah, to me, and there's open, and and you, and and look, my numbers don't take into account that Vinny and everybody else has to set a number where they can get equal action, right? So when I quote a number on my power rankings, it's really not, it's not with what I want to get equal action. So, you know, Vinny probably opened it up at two, which is smart. They took it underneath the field goal. They knew they would get two at, and then they got all the action on Tampa. So I think that's the way we have to look at these as betters and people that are recommending picks because they're trying to get two-way action, and they set a number to get that done. Yes, so far it's swaying, and it's definitely swaying the, uh, to Tampa Bay's direction. But I'm right there with you, Michael. I feel like this is the right play. And certainly the value right now is there still with the Rams. We'll find out if yeah. they get that two-way action and swings it back maybe towards a pick by kickoff. I did want to talk about another wide receiver, and this is Jarvis Landry. Juice in Cleveland. He's going to be out for a while. He's going to be uh, on the IR. So he's got uh, – we're looking at Odell Beckham Jr. trying to get back in the lineup here for the Browns as they take on the Bears on Sunday you know, I know people don't talk about Landry as much when you talk about the LSU wide receivers there in Cleveland, but really he's the steady Eddie guy. And then you bring back Odell Beckham Jr. potentially here on Sunday. How much are we having a drop off? I know it sounds crazy. You get Odell Beckham Jr. potentially back that there could be a drop off. But to me, Juice is the guy that you really is Mr. Dependable on that offense. Yeah, you know, Landry's really good, and there's no doubt about that. I mean, he is so dependable. But I think they really are in love with this Schwartz kid. I think they want to get him on the field. Higgins, they're going to play. Schwartz, people, Jones. I mean, you know, they haven't had uh, they haven't had Beckham in the game. They'll probably get him this week. Everybody thought he was going to play week one, and he mm-hmm. was an early scratch last week. But I think they like their receivers in Cleveland. I think with Schwartz, Peoples, Jones, and Higgins, they've got really good talent there. You know, and the tight end leads the team in receptions. The two of the three tight, two of the tight ends, Hooper and, and Dockway, lead the team in in uh, in Joku. I'm sorry, and Joku lead the team in receptions. So uh, it's it's a tight end oriented scheme. I think they can overcome it. I really do. I think the guy, if I'm playing fantasy, I'm going to get on Anthony Shorts, the the fast, fast, fast kid from Auburn. He's going to be a big part of what they do. You know, Michael, I don't want to say that the best days of Odell Beckham Jr. are behind him. But from a from a production standpoint here going forward for Cleveland, you know, we haven't seen him in, in over a year no. now. You're coming off a, a really serious injury, and then you don't play week one. You're hoping to get him back here. What are the real expectations for him in this offense? Well, I mean, the first time he catches a ball, everybody's going to go all Dick Vitale <laughs> on it. I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, oh, my God, there's Beckham. He's back. He's sensational. But the reality of it is, is we don't know. And can he run? Can he make plays? His yards per attempt his yards per catch has increasingly gone down over the years. He hasn't been the same player. He hasn't been the same player since the boat trip, nor have the New York football <laughs> Giants been the same team since that lovely three-hour cruise. It hasn't been good for anybody. No, it hasn't. That's, that's a great point to, to, to bring up. And again, you know, by the way, Eli Manning is going to get his jersey retired uh, as he gets uh, go, goes into that Giants uh, Hall of Fame, if you will. And I think the Javi Baez treatment should be in play. If you booed Eli... When he was with the Giants, you can't cheer oh, him on yeah. Sunday. Is that fair? There'd be nobody. There'd be nobody in the stands. There'd be nobody in the stands. <laughs> I mean, come on. They couldn't wait to Eli, get rid of him, Michael. Know, they wanted Daniel Eli Jones. The, get rid of the old guy. Eli, Eli was the Phil Negro. I mean, even when he was playing good, he wasn't playing good. I mean, look at his numbers. They're going to put him in the Hall of Fame because he won two Super Bowls. But look at his numbers. I mean, look at his career numbers. And you tell me. I mean, look at his career numbers. And when you see it. You know, it's like he; those Super Bowls are tremendous. I mean, and, and he's done a tremendous job winning those Super Bowls in his playoff record and when he got in there. 
But, you know, the last three years when he was 35, 36, I mean, you know, after the 11 and 5, after the after the love boat trip, after the, the three-hour cruise, <laughs> it was three wins, five wins, and, and one win. It's still unbelievable. I always said, Michael, until Peyton got that second in Denver, like he had to sit at the little kid's table at Thanksgiving because Eli had two, right? But now they can yeah. sit together, you know, back with Archie and company, but, you know, for the Thanksgiving dinners. I mean, think about this, though, Dave. I mean, Eli's interception percentage is 3-0. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's high. It is high. You know, his yards per attempt, his yards per attempt for his career, for his career, is seven. He'd never had a year. He had one season, 2011, where he averaged over 8.1 yards per attempt. So in your eyes, he's not a Hall of Famer. Is that fair to say? Well, I think because of the two Super Bowls, he gets in. He made two throws that gets him in. Well, then, I'm, I mean, do I, I'm going you know, down, I mean, uh, I'm going down look, the hole there's here, some though. guys... What about then? What I about mean, Jim Plunkett? There's How is no he criteria for right. This is what my next book's about. It's like, it, 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 what if you let one guy in? How do you not let this next guy in? That's it. I totally you know, agree. You let Warren, Warren Moon because he accumulate all these yards. He's in, but he never won. Warren Moon was in one conference championship game in his career. Absolutely love it. I've always wondered why Jim Plunkett's not in winning those two with the Raiders and yeah, number one I mean, pick out of Stanford. I, I, I'll look at Plunk, Plunkett's numbers are just as good. You know, and Plunkett was throwing the ball at a time where interceptions and touchdown passes were pretty close. People were taking chances down the field. Now everybody wants, you know, like they want the Matt Nagy program. Let's have 75% completions, even though we gained three yards. <laughs> You know, I mean, Matt Nagy must walk around his office at Hallis Hall and say, oh, we had 78% completions. Matt, you're averaging 5.4 yards per attempt. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's got to be about more than just the numbers. It's got to be about winning. And again, the Browns right now, seven-point favorites over the Bears on Sunday. That's come down a little bit, opened up around seven and a half. Oh, so. by the way, Dave, yeah. by the way, Eli's, Eli's overall career quarterback rating, 84. And you're killing my guy. Absolutely killing my guy. I can't wait to see what the reception is if he finally gets cheered on Sunday when they retire his jersey in the uh, Meadowlands. It's going to be very, very interesting. All right, Michael, much more to get to. When we come back, Steve Mackinan is going to join us and talk about maybe some teams you want to bet on Sunday that are 0-2 right now. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line here on Visa the Sports Betting Network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VEASAN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24-7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money, and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to VEASAN.com data and analysis. You get everything VEASAN has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe back here on the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross and pleasure to have Steve Mackinan join us now point spread weekly editor. And if you're not reading point spread weekly, I don't know what you're doing because there's great information in there each and every week that Steve, and the guys put out this week. You can get uh, some NFL lessons learned by Jonathan Von Tobel, some sharp action on NFL from Josh Applebaum and why so many road favorites. Boy, there's sometimes there are a lot of favorites, and you go, why is that happening? Get your copy today at vcin.com slash subscribe. So, Steve, I found this very interesting in what you put out this week and that you look at some 0-2 teams out there on the board, and maybe they're setting some traps for you because even though they're 0-2, they have a pretty good number uh, ATS in week number three. Are there any teams out there specifically that you see that might fit that bill this week? Uh, yeah, hey, first off, guys, uh, great to be with you again. Uh, great issue of Point Spread Weekly hitting the uh, inboxes now, so uh, look for that. Um, this is common in the NFL. Uh, it seems every year, week three, I, I like to refer to it as trap week. Uh, they, <laughs> the odds are just set up to the point where they're trying to get you to bet certain ways. Uh, a lot of opinions have been formed about these teams already. And uh, a, a lot of times they're erroneous. So one of the things I think people want to look for, just look at system one on my article this week. Uh, teams that are 0-2 in the NFL are 19-21 and 21 straight up, but 28-12 and 12 against the spread, uh, 70%, uh, against 1-1 one one teams uh, in week three since 2010. Now you ask yourself, well, big deal, they're 1-1. One one. That, that seems fluky to me. But a 1-1 one one team isn't exactly clicking. You know what I'm saying? So... You get an 0-2 team versus a team that's not clicking gives them a better chance to win and perhaps a better price to play into. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that when I first looked at the board, I think, what are we, Indianapolis is, what, a four-point dog going into this weekend? 
and and they fit your criteria here. And this criteria caches at 70%, which I think whenever you look at system matches, and, and again, I urge everybody to buy the guide, these system matches are not, they're not one at all. You just don't play them out of pocket. Like I would never play Detroit as a system match here against Baltimore, even though they're getting eight and a half. But I would take Indianapolis getting five at on the road. They know how to play Tennessee, you know, and they're going to be able to run the ball against a Tennessee run defense that I didn't think was very good last week. Yeah, actually, Tennessee's been one of the uh, worst defensive teams in the league thus far. Uh, that A bad defensive team and playing as a favorite's never a good mix, in my opinion. Uh, Indianapolis, a lot, of, a lot of times with these 0-2 teams, you get an air of desperation, if you will, because there are a lot of stats about going 0-3 and not making the playoffs in the NFL. Uh, that these teams will have to deal with uh, should they lose these games. Steve, what really jumped out to me when I was looking at the numbers that you guys have comp- uh, put together here is the defenses that have gotten off to great starts so far uh, in this season, right? And after two weeks, some of the best defensive teams that are allowing 14 points per game or fewer, boy, in week three, it kind of feels like a regression to the mean here historically with the numbers you guys have compiled. So just 22 and 17 straight up, that's good. But 11, 27, and 1 ATS. I wonder, is this maybe a tricky spot for Carolina tomorrow night laying the seven and a half on the road? They've been arguably the best defense so far in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I I mentioned that in uh, my analysis of the system. Carolina's in an interesting spot here. Uh, Last year, they gave up 25 points a game or more, I believe it was. You have to wonder, was their first two-week performance more of a function of who they played or are they really an improved defensive team? Now this, you're five and 11 last year, all of a sudden week three, your, your line has changed to the point where you're seven and a half point road favorite. Very interesting spot to deal with there. Yeah. You know, they're actually eight, Steve. And I agree. I mean, this is a lot of points to lay. Now I think a lot of this is baked in because of Davis mills. I mean, if Tyrod Taylor were playing today, this weekend, I think the number would probably be three, three and a half. You know, maybe it would be a little bit more. But with Davis Mills and how he looked in that game, so inconsistent. But I think one thing when you watch Carolina this year, their defensive front is really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Morgan Fox and Derek Brown and Jones and Matto, all these guys are coming in off the edge and they're causing problems for the opposing quarterback and they're playing fast. I mean really fast, and I think that's a problem when you're looking at a rookie quarterback. It's a lot of points. You know, there's some spots out there that have it at eight. The the South Point's still at seven and a half. Yeah, so you look at Carolina's first two games here. Obviously, the New Orleans win over Green Bay kind of inflated the status of the Saints, I believe, heading into week two. But if you looked at that box score really closely, you know that Jameis Winston didn't put up a lot of yards. That team was not really prolific offensively. So the first two teams that the uh, uh, Panthers have faced, not exactly offensive juggernauts. Steve, this is interesting to me, too. When you look at some offensive teams that have gotten off to great starts through the first two weeks in week three, they tend to continue that role going, right? Because you have here the teams that gaining almost seven yards per play in the first two weeks. They keep doing that in week number three, the record 12 and three straight up and ATS 80% since 2015. So that's a pretty good indication that they, they get off to the good start. Sometimes it, it does continue for those best offensive teams. Is that correct? Yeah, I tend to prefer uh, when you get to this point in the season, the teams that are consistently performing offensively as compared to defensively, because I think offensively you you control that side of the game more. Uh, Defense can be a lot of function of who you played and uh, and that type of thing. So offensively, typically the team's 6.75 yards per play is the benchmark I put it at. The teams that are gaining more than that are usually very good teams offensively. They got uh, good quarterback play. Uh, a lot of playmakers, and they're able to generate a lot of yards because of that. And it's really hard to shut them down this early in the season. Yeah, I mean, and, and what what that system has Seattle minus the one and a half, Kansas City minus six and a half, Cleveland minus seven, Arizona minus seven, which has ticked up to seven and a half, and the Rams in a pick 'em. I think those are the teams that match that system. And I think the one thing that I think we've seen early in the year is, especially when you're a good offense like the Rams, you play better on the road. You never scare yourself about a good offense because they'll find a way to move the ball. What happens to you if you're a bad team playing on the road with no offense, you get behind in the game and the, your problems compound itself. I agree 100% with that, Michael. 
Yeah, no question about it. Steve, very quickly, too, uh, one more note I just want to point out. For the teams that are undefeated at this point of the season at 2-0, and okay, they, that have been winning and outscoring teams by 25 points per, or more here, they are 22-17 and 17 straight up, but only 13-24-2 ATS, 35% clip in week three. So, again, is that more, hey, they might still continue to win, but the number's been inflated by that point? <laughs> That's exactly what this system is uh, is telling you. Uh, there's a lot of overreaction. Uh, uh, to, obviously, in most cases, it's two good wins. Buffalo is one and one, and they're still uh, reaching that plus 25 point per game or points uh, differential. But uh, a lot of a lot of overinflation in week three, and it kind of exactly what I'm uh, trying to convey in this uh, week's article. And what of all the system matches? What's your favorite one this week, Steve? I would tend to lean on the one we talked about earlier, Michael, with the with the good offenses. Uh, very hard to shut these teams down now. I mean, uh, they're on a roll. You think Kansas City laying six and a half against the Chargers. Um, uh, it's very rare nowadays when they're less than a, than a touchdown favorite at home. Uh, obviously, they haven't been great offensively, but if they put up, uh, let's say they put up 34 points in that game, is uh, are the Chargers going to be able to answer that? Uh, Cleveland against a struggling Chicago team. That could be the same type of uh, of thing. Cleveland's been very balanced offensively and able to uh, put up a lot of yards and points. So uh, two good spots there. Uh, and there's again, you said there's five on that list that on a 12 and three 80 percent system. If it holds, you're looking at 80 percent on that. I think this is exactly why you should get point spread weekly. If you don't have it, all you got to no do doubt. is go to vston.com slash subscribe. Steve Mackinac, great information, uh, great numbers there. And, and I'll be uh, looking at these system plays that you have coming up before I put in my tickets on s- Sunday. Steve, thanks a lot for the time and the information. We'll catch Thank up again you, Steve. soon. Appreciate you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, guys. You. Absolutely. Thanks. Have a good day. Great stuff. And, and Michael, very quickly to that point about Kansas City with Steve's point there. You know, laying yeah. less than seven, uh, boy, again, yeah. you look at the offense, as Steve pointed out, the way they turn it out. I know a lot I know, of people like the Chargers. But they just keep taking money out of your pocket every week. They should they, that, that game, they scored no points in the fourth quarter against Baltimore. <sighs> I mean, you know, you got to score. I mean, the, the, they took their foot off the gas. I mean, it's just, it's just, they're, they're frustrating. And, and the fact that. What bothers me is their defense is really playing poorly, really. And, and look, the Chargers can move the ball on anybody. They can move it on anybody. And their skill on the outside is really good. All right, let's see how that system plays, if it works out. But, again, to your point, boy, the Chiefs, you got a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter on the road. I don't care if it's Lamar Jackson. you got to figure out a way to finish out that game. They could not do it on Sunday night. All right, next hour, we got uh, Brian McFadden. we got Lou Fittacaro. We've got Derek Rackley. you got Michael Lombardi. What else do you need? But when we come back, Michael, I do want to pick your brain about Notre Dame and Wisconsin on a quote-unquote neutral field. We'll get your thoughts on that when you come back with us right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance, <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? 
backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Get your payout before the game's out with BetMGM. Place a money line wager on any Thursday night football game, and if your team is up by 10 or more points at halftime, you win. That's a full payout for only half the game, no matter what happens the rest of the way. Simply go to BetMGM account and opt in each week to the Thursday night halftime payout promotion. Want to keep things rolling? Well, try BetMGM's exclusive live betting options in the third quarter or use your winnings to place a one-game parlay on Sunday. New to BetMGM, download the app and see how you can turn halftime cash into cash time. Make a money line bet on Thursday night and if your team is up by 10 or more, you win at the half. Only at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, opt-in required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada or Pennsylvania. Back here on the Lombardi line, Dave Ross with you alongside Michael Lombardi. And Michael, we're going to talk a lot more NFL in the next hour. But I really am intrigued by some of these college games. And I know our own Tim Murray is going to be in attendance for Notre Dame against Wisconsin. He's going to Chicago. The game's at Soldier Field. And I looked at this line early and I thought, man, it just feels like Notre Dame, the higher-ranked team, being slightly disrespected in this one. Michael, what do you make of this? Because right now it's holding firm. Wisconsin, uh, six and a half right now is what I see here at BetMGM. Well, I mean, look, Wisconsin played, I think Penn State's offense is really good. You know, with Clifford and Dotson, they can throw the ball. And they and they did a great job against Penn State. They turned the ball over when Penn State got into the red zone. I mean, Penn State was able to turn over Wisconsin when they got in the red zone. But they held Penn State down for a really most of the game, and it was partly because of Wisconsin's turnovers that they were unable to beat Penn State. So I think Wisconsin, now they played Eastern Michigan. How good are they? You know, Notre Dame struggled a little bit with Purdue. They really struggled with Toledo. And they had a barn burner against Florida State. And we just seen Florida State lose to Jacksonville State and Wake Forest. Mm. How good is Notre Dame? I think that's the fundamental question. I mean, every week, in, you know, in the NFL, there's more of a uniformity in terms of understanding the teams in college You know, one week you beat Florida State. We think that was a great game. Florida State's back, and then Florida State loses to Jacksonville State and to Wake Forest. Florida State's not back. Their program's in the tubes. All of a sudden, that luster's off the Notre Dame win, and I think certainly that's reflective in the line. All right, and Brian McFadden's going to join us at the top of the hour. I hope he's not listening to now. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what he thinks about this. I mean, Michael, I've watched Florida State games with that guy, and he's a maniac when they're on and they're losing, so I'm sure he wasn't happy about all that. I I do wonder, the neutral field thing, Soldier Field, does that play into your thinking at all? Because, well, coming from Chicago, that's not going to be neutral, right? That's going to be a pro-Notre Dame crowd. You think so, you think so, but I think Madison's like an hour and a half from Chicago, right? Yep. Maybe two hours. Those Wisconsin fans will travel now. And I and, and here's the reality is what was the ticket split? I, I would assume that knowing Barry Alvarez, when he agreed to this deal to play this game in Chicago, that he was going to get 50% of the t- – he was going to get his, all the t- his, his allotment. Of t- it wasn't going to be 65-35. Right. Great point. You know? Yeah, he's, he's thinking and, ahead And I there. think that there's going to be a lot of red in this game. 
they're going to be a lot of red. And he, and I can promise you, they were not going to give any tickets out to people that were going to resell them to Notre Dame. Yeah, great point. You're right. It's going to be a very interesting dynamic playing on the quote-unquote neutral field. You're right. It's going to be cool to see the color schemes here and see if it I is. I think it'll be a lot of blue and red in that place, don't you? Yeah, I do. It's going to, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, how good do you think Notre Dame is? I mean, I'm I'm actually, you know, this is we should Jack Coons should do the coin flip, don't you think? He should do it in this game. <laughs> yeah. Look, I've been dead wrong on them. I had them week one against Florida State against BMAX boys. And when they went down the first drive and it's seven nothing, I went, Oh my goodness, Jack Cohn, a revenge game for him against Scotty uh here on this Saturday. And I thought Notre Dame was going to be really good. And I really thought their defense was going to be good. And and Michael until Purdue last week, that defense hadn't shown up. They they better no. show up because this is going to be an ugly physical rock fight, you would believe. And I got to think this is going scoring. And I know a lot of people here at VEASAN like the under in this play at 46 and a half because I just don't see a lot of points being scored. Do you? No. And I, and I think that when you break it down, Notre Dame defensively, I mean, they just haven't been, I would say, you know, they're giving up 28 points a game, right? 29, almost 27 points a game, something like that. You know, I mean, and that, that isn't like, okay, they played a bad Florida State team. They played a bad Toledo team. And they played Wake Forest. I mean, then they played uh, 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 Purdue, who could Purdue, score. Right. You know, so right. you know. I mean, I think that, that that's it. You know, when you break this down, I mean, look, Wisconsin has allowed 11.54 yards per pass play. Notre Dame's allowed 10. But I think the difference here is Notre Dame has allowed overall off- offensively. Notre Dame can throw the football better than Wisconsin. Notre Dame's averaged 13.2 yards throwing the ball and Wisconsin is under 10. And I think that's going to be the difference. I mean, actually no Wisconsin fan wants to hear this, but they might Notre Dame might have the better quarterback. I, I know it's scary to think they're If he comes back and lights up some lights up, at least leads them and to throws a it. I mean, remember when they tried to throw it with him at quarterback, we were like, Oh, don't do that. It could just, just give the painful. ball to Taylor. Don't do that. Just give the ball to Taylor, please. You know, Absolutely. I, that game to me has got Game of the Week written all over it. I do. Want Why to, is it at 12 o'clock? I thought it was going to be at 730. Why is it at noon? Well, that's the way they do it in the Midwest over there. They, they want to go out and then hit the Chicago town at night. It's a fun town to go oh, out. Oh, I Maybe. see how it is. I see how it rolls. I thought that I was I had the barbecue all set up. Bill, Bill 80 gave me my FUBU password. I'm all set. I'm going to sit out there in the backyard, watch the games with my man Berman. And I thought I was going to get Notre Dame. I was going to get the, I was going to put Brockwurst on the grill. No, now I, I no. can't do that. Michael in Chicago right now, you got to get out now because winter's going to be here like by Tuesday of next week. So they got to get out after this game. One of their last weekends to hit. What, the what is this? What is the, What is the big night? We don't have a good night game, I guess. No, it West Virginia, feel, Oklahoma. There is a late night game. Yeah, West Virginia, Oklahoma might be the best in prime time. But I do want to touch your brain on a team that I know we've talked about this summer, and that's the Fighting Chip Kellys. Okay, because they are yeah. very intriguing to me. And I had Rick Doc Walker on the show yesterday. Of course, a Bruin legend went on to win a Super Bowl with Joe Gibbs and the Washington Football Team, and they're laying four at Stanford. Like. Did they not watch Stanford the last couple of weeks? Because I love Stanford against Stanford. SC, right? Two weeks ago. Stanford was good. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, Stanford, I mean, they get shellacked at Kansas State. I mean, that wasn't a pretty win, you know, when they went back there. Wasn't it Kansas State that really put it on them? Yes, week one, absolutely. Yes, yeah, week one, yeah, Kansas State put it on them. And then the, the, the Stanford has gotten their team better. But UCLA, that had... And that that Fresno State, Patrick and I, we talked about it. We we uh, unfortunately on the Saturday show, we don't the, the late games. We kind of get lost a little bit because there's so many early games, and I'm so busy trying to figure out who to pick. Put you know <laughs> what bottom ten play you should make. But we both loved UCLA laying the uh, give uh, Fresno State last week. Mm-hmm. That to me had everything you wanted in a game. And we're going to find out if Stanford's good enough on defense. I think that's going to be the real key. Is Stanford good enough on defense? Can they match up? You know, Chip Kelly's got the team's attention. This is this is one of those situations where, you know, UCLA, they can make some plays. I mean, they average almost 20 yards wow. per play in the passing game. They can, yes. One, and that's a David Shaw. You've you got to think. I think David Shaw, I think defense with the tree at Stanford, but he's going to get tested by that offense that Chip Kelly's rolling in. And, look, I know a lot of doubters about Chip Kelly, but he does have at least the offense rolling. If they can figure out the defense, maybe they've got a surprise team out there in the Pac-12. Um, well, I mean, what was it, 48-47 last year? Right. The, I mean, you know, it was – so they can – you know, all this talk that, that Stanford can't play a track meet, I mean, head-to-head. The last ten games, Stanford's nine and one. 
Wow. And that's why you see the point total there, 58 and a half. They're expecting points in Stanford on Saturday And I'll take it one step further, Dave. Seven, two, and one against the spread the last 10 games. Pretty, it's hard to bet against David Shaw at home catching points. That's all I'm going to say, even if my rooting yeah. interest might be with UCLA. It feels like the sharp side to be on. Well, we have to get Stanford. Danielle back on to find out really what's going on at UCLA's prop. I'm sure she's <laughs> been over there to make sure it's been handled. <laughs> hey, very quickly, we have one minute to go here in this segment. What's going on with Clemson? And they're laying 10 against NC State. And DJU is supposed to be the guy. Are we right? sure DJ's great? Are we I, sure he's good? That's what I wanted to get you to pick your brain about because I can't I don't know. I, he don't look good to me. I mean, Georgia's – that was Georgia Tech's back. I love Rice, the Georgia Tech other quarterback. He yeah. didn't play. He was hurt. I mean, that was Georgia Tech's backup guy. I can't figure it I, out. I don't know what to make of it. I, I, I mean, look, you know, I, and I love, I love NC State. I think that coach does a great job yeah. there. Now, they went down to Mississippi State. I, I thought they would beat Mississippi State down there. Mississippi State beat them. But, you know, to me, that, that this, is a, this is one of those we're going to find out where Clemson is. Because DJ hasn't played well. He hasn't looked good. He looked better against Notre Dame when he played than he has any time this year. No doubt about it. And again, think about that. They were 30 and a half point favorites last week against Georgia Tech. They're lucky to survive at home. They're lucky to win the game outright. Let alone forget about it. They were never going to cover that game. Uh, and it just looks like offensively, they look lost. And a Dabo Sweeney team, I never thought I'd say that, Michael, that he looks like he can't figure out this offense. I know they have issues on the offensive line. I understand that. But I'm with you. DJU has not looked anything like he looked like against Notre Dame last year. Not once. No, no, he doesn't. He looks confused, actually. He looks everything opposite of that. Yeah, no question about it. I'm with you. I think taking the 10 in NC State, don't turn your back in the Wolfpack might be the play. All right, Michael, we're going to have Brian McFadden coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to try not to talk about Florida State. We'll just bring up his Steelers. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on Decent, the sports betting network. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years. Have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.